Many people struggle for months or even years trying to decide if they should stay in their marriage or pursue divorce. This episode will provide a thoughtful and thought-provoking exploration of this question and practical tips for anyone going through it. We'll conduct a reality check, what divorce would really mean for you, understanding the stories you are telling yourself about marriage and divorce, discerning between a marriage beyond repair and a marriage in stress, and how to move beyond analysis paralysis. I'm Sharon Pastore, and you're listening to the Healthy Divorce Podcast. Let's move forward. You're listening to the Healthy Divorce Podcast. Join us as we help you navigate your divorce without going broke, relationships in ruin, or ending up in court. You'll get into financial and emotional shape, make sense of the legal process, get strong enough to negotiate for yourself, be a mindful parent, stay amicable with your spouse so you can get a fresh start. welcome your host for this episode, Adina Laver, founder of Courage to be Curious and formerly Divorce Essentials. So our focus for today's call is this big question of should I stay or should I go? And this has been a topic that I've been thinking about since I started these support calls and really started doing this work. The work has been over five years and doing these calls for over two years. And really because I know that for many people, contemplating, considering divorce doesn't usually last days or weeks, but it often leads you know, months or years and even sometimes decades because it's so challenging. And it's one of the reasons that I felt very committed that I wanted to really build this into the kind of support that we can offer here. So this is our focus of the conversation. You know, we could probably talk about this for hours and hours, but we do know that we're going to bring you a tremendous amount of value in our conversation today as we talk about this topic. And I am absolutely thrilled to have as our guest here today, Dr. Amy Botwinick. And Amy is a life and relationship and divorce coach, so she does similar work to what we've been doing in Divorce Essentials, although she certainly has a her own unique individual flair that she brings to this work. So Amy is a certified life, relationship, and divorce coach who helps her clients gain, get realistic, educated, and organized to deal with the business of love, marriage, and divorce. She's a sought-after expert and has appeared on the Tyra Banks Show, CBS News for Women's Entertainment Television, Toronto's most popular morning show, Breakfast TV, and Jewish Life TV. A frequent guest on popular radio shows around the country, her expert advice can also be found on msn.com, match.com, aol.com, Sun Sentinels, Queen Bee in South Florida, and divorce360.com. After years of coaching and connecting with thousands through her writing, Amy wanted to give the gift of laughter. And Amy is a fireball of energy, as you're going to see soon, so she's certainly well-equipped to do this. She's the co-author and producer of the hilarious and raucous, and I will also say, like, deeply raw and authentic um, musical called Divorce Party, the musical, and the hilarious journey to hell and back. Today, Amy is happily married remarried in a blended family that includes six children. She learned to manage her divorce transition with grit, 
grace, and humor. She tossed aside the idea of the fairy tale and is now living the happily ever after in her own reality tale. She's on a mission to help others move on in their life to create relationships that last and a life that matters. And she, in addition, she helps clients build a team of experts to manage their journey and get them ready for a new life. And even not included in here are two books. And we're actually, Amy, going to be giving away a couple of your books to people who are on the call and listening today. And so I, I'll actually save and you'll weave those in here. Um, but she, in addition to co-producing and writing the musical, you have two other books that are of great support that I will let you share about. So with all of that, Amy, let me say welcome. Thank you. That was very long, but thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so, Amy, we're going to dive in because we have so much to talk about. Um, and, you know, we listed out for people as you registered. You saw what kinds of topics we were going to include today. But I want to start even before the bullet points that we have listed, you know, on the site with just are kind of looking at all the different reasons why people stay stuck with the question of should I go or should I stay for so long? Because as I said, you know, it could be, you know, years, it could be decades sometimes. And, you know, what is it that keeps us so stuck and in the circle of this question? So, you know, what are some of the things that you know come up for people? Well, I think the number one thing is going to be fear. Fear of the unknown. The other one is going to be children, you know, staying in the marriage for the sake of the children. Um, Money, feeling that people can't afford to divorce because they won't be able to financially be able to manage life on their own. Um, I think those are the three main ones, but I think they all circle around fear And fear comes from not knowing what you need to know to be able to move forward and make a smart decision for your future. And that's what the coaching is all about. Right. I mean, as I was thinking about this question, I was thinking about some of the, you know, thinking about it too. And certainly I had at the top of my list, the kids, you know, for people who have kids of the fear of, you know, hurting them, ruining their lives, either through emotional um, instability or just taking those things away from them, you know, that they, that kids may have gotten used to. But a couple of other things that, you know, came up for me too, that I know I've heard a lot from clients is, you know, the fear of hurting the other partner, you know, because sometimes it's this feeling not that this other person is like hurting me as much as we've grown apart or, you know, I I care about them, but I can't live with them or I don't know if I can live with them. And so the fear or the concern about hurting the other partner, I'm sure you hear that from people as well. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, the guilt that comes along with it is just such a heavy burden. It can be such a heavy burden if that's where you're at. That's That's a big feeling that I get from a lot of clients. I feel so guilty I'm doing this. Right, right. You know, and I was thinking a couple other things that I was thinking about that I just wanted to name because I think it's important for people like to hear, you know, what they're struggling with named and you named a bunch of them. I think there's also this thing that sometimes people don't name right away, but there's this, I'm giving up on a dream. You know, like I had this dream, I was going to get married in this big wedding or have this beautiful dress and do all these things. And then it was supposed to go from this to this, to this, to this, to this. And even considering going means giving up on a dream. That's so true. And it doesn't matter if you're the person that wants a divorce or you're the person that um, 
is being told, you know, this is not working anymore. Both people are losing the dream. And even if you are like, you can't wait to get out of the marriage, it's still going to hurt because of what you said. It's the loss of the dream that you built together at one point that you obviously got married, felt good about each other. And it's not working out the way, you know, the fairy tale, you know, the the image in your head, it's the death of the dream. Um, And that's painful for both people at some point. Right. And I know we're going to come back to this about the dream because, uh, you know, it's something that we really, I think, have to delve more into because it gets like complex and, and, and is an important part of this conversation, but that sort of depth of the dream. And I, you know, that, you know, sometimes people worry about what will others say. People see us a certain way. People, you know, I can't not be married because of what people think about us, what, how our families are intertwined, what our families would think. You know, so that concern about how what other people's perceptions might be. Absolutely. And it's, it's not an easy thing to go through because people are really kind of obnoxious sometimes with the questions that they ask and how closely they watch you through this transition. And it's, it's kind of unfair because you're kind of in a situation feeling vulnerable, scared. And, you know, you need to make major decisions and try to act as, you know, with your head held high. And as an adult, it's a very difficult thing to do. And that's, you know, why we're here is that you don't have to go through this alone. Right. And so, you know, I think what I want to really lay out is that the focus of this call is that, you know, neither you nor I in our work or here on this call are really about saying what people should do. So, you know, I always say to my clients, I'm not committed to if you get a divorce, you stay together. I'm committed to your being happy. Right. Right. I think I'm committed to you being happy and also being more educated um, and having more clarity so that you'll have the confidence and the courage to make the smart decisions to either stay or go or move forward. And I think the biggest danger in this um, question, should I stay or should I go, is to not do the work necessary to get the clarity on, you know, three levels that I go through with my clients so that once we kind of do the work, they're in a different place. They, they have a different view on everything, more information, more education. Um, they know what they're getting themselves into more, better than they did before. So that way, then they can move forward either way. Again, their decision. But I think our job is to, you know, help them find their happiness and help educate them in a way to make smart choices for themselves. Right. And so really, I think our objective in this call is we want to give people tools. And some of these are going to be, you know, tools of like, you know, here are action steps that you can take that might, as you said, help you get educated and bring more clarity. Some of them might be, you know, a self-inquiry to do or things like that or new ways of framing or thinking about things. So, I, you know, I think what we're the promise of this conversation is really that we're going to give people tools who are really feel stuck in this place to help kind of dislodge some of the stuckness and at least encourage some step forward in a direction of some clarity. So let's go toward what you were just talking about, because one of the first things we said as a tool here is to conduct a reality check 
as to what divorce would mean. And I think that this is so powerful and I'm excited how you're going to elaborate on this because, you know, that reality check is when we're in a difficult place, when we feel unhappy somewhere, the grass looks greener everywhere, <laughs> but here, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. we're standing in the path of like dead grass and it must look be greener any place else. And so this first step of how do we get a reality check as to what life on, in divorce or on the other side of divorce might mean for us is so important. So how do we go about doing that? Well, this is really my favorite place to get a client. If they are lucky enough to be having the luxury of deciding, should I stay or should I go? It's a great opportunity to really help somebody with this major, major life choice. And for me, there's three pieces to it. Um, the first piece, and it doesn't go in importance of order, but there's a financial piece and the, the financial and legal realities. That's the first piece. The second part is having the client take a really good look in the mirror to make sure that they are identifying and owning their part of the dance in the marriage. And the third part is expectations. You know, what are their expectations of what marriage is day in, day out? And is that a fair assessment? So when we work together, we go through those three pieces. And, you know, in time, they have their eyes open more. They, they get more clarity. They get more of an understanding of what the realities of life might look like post-divorce so that they can then take a breath, settle in with the information that they, they have, you know, just had gotten from working at, with a coach. And then they're, they're able to make a decision. And I will tell you, you know, it's usually one of three. And, and my clients usually fall into... One, um, I think I need to go back and work on myself and, you know, thank you for the look in the mirror. Two, oh my goodness, I had no idea. I still want to move forward with divorce, but I am so not ready. I need to get my ducks in a row because I had no idea just how impactful this was going to be on my entire life and my children's. Or three, somebody's like, okay, I got it. Kind of like what I was expecting. I'm ready to move forward, but I still need help. Right, right. So let's dig into those pieces a little bit. So, how, like, how would you go about doing a reality check on the financial and legal side? So, you know, how, how can people do that? Well, you know, it's really important to first really understand your marital estate, what you have when you owe, when you own, how much money comes in, how much money goes out. In the end, I know this is really hard to say, and a lot of clients kind of cringe when I say this, but divorce is a financial event. And yes, there's the emotional and there's the kids and there's everything like that. But the actual process of divorce is about money and a division of assets. And if there's alimony and child support. So, the better you can prepare yourself to understand what's going on in your household about the finances, the better you will be prepared to talk with a divorce attorney in your state that you can have a consultation with. You come in prepared. I help clients get prepared in a variety of ways so that they can actually 
download the attorney in 10 or 15 minutes of the consult and then ask real questions about what divorce would likely look like so they walk out with some real answers and a reality check of what they're legally what they're legally entitled to what their marital estate looks like and how it would be split up and financially how stable they would be moving forward that's a big piece but it takes time and I don't know how you are, Dina, but oftentimes I find that my clients really need to do a lot of homework to be able to gather the data, to be able to embrace their situation so they can become a credible client in front of the attorney so they don't waste their time. And, you know, attorney consults are expensive. They can be 350 an hour and upwards. So I don't want them to waste their time. I want them to go in completely educated and professional and ready to get some answers. Right. And I think it's really important to highlight what you just brought to the surface. I mean, you didn't say it in this way, but it really struck me. It popped up for me that, you know, when a couple gets married, there's a legal coming together, but the legal implications are very, very secondary in that moment to the love, right? I mean, in a wedding and in a marriage at that moment, it's the love that's really exalted and held high and the creation of union in divorce, even as you said, even though the emotional experience is the dissolution of this dream or whatever, that the event itself is actually a legal and a financial event at the heart. And it can be, it takes people aback because it's not where our heads are when we're in the middle of the emotional experience of coming to this decision. So it's so important what you said. And, you know, working with a coach, I know that we have a piece built into the Divorce Companion, which is a self-guided program to help prepare for divorce. But, you know, realizing that this is something, part of the reckoning is to understanding the legal and financial realities of really taking the time to do that. So I think that that, you know, is a great first, tool. And it's also good because in a sense, it's it's the no risk tool. Like I'm not telling anybody I want a divorce. I haven't declared anything, but I have made a commitment to educate myself. And I like that. Yeah, it's huge. It's really huge because you know what, Adina, once you start that ball down the hill, you start saying, I want a divorce. And then all of a sudden you get a reality check. It's like the toothpaste. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. It's been out there. But if you can you know, work with somebody to do this privately, you know, and not disrupt your household and your marriage until you get the information, you know, that that's a much better way to go. You know, that that's a lot cleaner and then you still have choices. Yeah. And that's a really good point because once it starts, it's really difficult to like pause it midway rolling down the hill. Exactly. Yeah. I want to go into the second thing. We're going to take them a little bit out of order from what you put them in. But the other thing that you talked about was understanding, like, my expectations of marriage. And I really want to delve into this a little bit because part of this reality check, as you called it, is what do I really believe marriage is about, and you reference the fairy tale and Cinderella, the end of the story, she tries on the shoe and, you know, she dances with the prince and everything is happily ever after. Rapunzel gets saved and it's happily ever after. I mean, we've got like every princess story in the world and then eventually we get some more modern princesses. But, <laughs> you know, what do we actually know, like when we get married about what marriage is about? So what is it? How do we get a reality check? What do we do here 
to really reckon and, and pursue that. What does marriage really mean? You know, I think it's really an interesting question because it depends on where you come from, right? It depends on how you grew up and what you were fed as a child, especially as a little girl growing up and, you know, what marriage meant to you, who your role models were, you know, what type of marriage your parents had, your grandparents. I mean, for me personally, my big hiccup was I did buy into the fairy tale. I had... Um, you know, a grandmother who was the fairy tale princess in her marriage. Um, it was a very unique situation. And again, it was um, two generations back. Things are very different now than they were. Um, and I spent a lot of time with her. And we read those Disney fairy tales. Um, I, I have to say, when my kids were growing up, I was very happy to see how the, the fairy tales changed. But I had you know, rose-colored glasses on. I had goggles on. I don't think I was very realistic about what marriage truly was because it was all about what my husband was going to do for me and princess me and make me feel good about myself and do all this work for me instead of me doing the work for myself. So that was a really hard piece for me. I eventually you know, through a lot of work and going to a therapist, I got, I got that piece that, you know, it's up to me. It's like, you know, there's two people growing together and I have to do a lot for myself. So, you know, it's kind of embarrassing to hear myself say that because I'm in a much different place, but I was really that little girl going into my marriage. It's your job to take care of me. You know, I'm going to be the princess like my grandmother. So, you know, it's what I was fed. And everybody comes from a different place. Right. I mean, everyone does. And, you know, it's a, it's a maybe a bizarre analogy, but I remember like, you know, the first time I had childbirth, went through childbirth, like, well, whoever, whatever prepares you for that, you know, you go to childbirth right. class, you do all that. There is nothing that prepares you. And, you know, if we're very honest and real with ourselves, like there is absolutely nothing that prepares us for what marriage really is. Like we don't take a class, we don't study it, we don't get mentored in it. As a child, we see our parents, but we see them through a child's lens, which is not at all the reality of what's going on in a marriage for good, bad, or ugly. And then we have TV shows and we have Harlequin romance books and we have, you know, the fairy tales and all those things. And like if we're very honest with ourselves and say, what am I, am I unhappy about what I don't think my marriage is, or is it, it's not meeting an expectation of what I thought it should be, you know, or are there things here that are much deeper than that? Because um, one of the things when we were talking about the dream, like the, the fairy tale and the dream, I'm going to say something pretty, pretty radical here, but I think for any marriage to last, that the dream that we had probably the day we got married or from the fairy tales that we watched, that the dream actually has to die in order for a marriage to ever survive? I think it has to, I think it has to change. You know, my whole thing is the, re, the fairy tale into the reality tale. And, you know, what I've learned through my process, um, a colleague of mine, Linda Miles, who's a therapist, coins this term. She says, you know, marriage has to have friendship on fire. You know, you have to have that attraction and that chemistry, but more importantly, you need to have that friendship that, you know, that person is your best friend and your partner and you're both taking on the world together and balancing each other out and taking different responsibilities to come together as a whole, um, a real partnership. And there are going to be days that, 
you know, you can look at your partner and you don't like them. And it's okay because that's a temporary thing. And when you have a long-term relationship, it ebbs and it flows. And sometimes it's going to be really hot and sexy. And sometimes it's going to be straight business of life of, you know, taking the kids to school or working until you're exhausted to be able to pay the bills. I mean, there's a lot of very unsexy things about marriage. And, you know, that's the reality tale. So I think it doesn't necessarily have to die, but it has to transition into something more real. Right. Yeah. For usually, right. Death can bring that. For me, brings in a transformation into something else. Like it dies, it goes into the ground and something new blossoms. So you're right. Like transition, transform. But like that initial, there's a letting go of that initial idea of what it was for something that is more real. And, you know, I'm reminded about this pretty prevalent blog in the entrepreneur circle. And, you know, both of us owning our, owning our own businesses that, you know, when people decide to leave a steady job and they go into having their own business or they're thinking about it, there's this great blog that is out there. It's called, um, and excuse me, anybody, because I, I never usually use this language on a support call, but it happens to be part of the blog, you know, but it's really about which shit sandwich are you prepared to eat? You know, like working in corporate or having a day job is going to have its wonderful things. You get the regular paycheck and you get your built-in structure and all that kind of stuff. And there's the shit sandwiches you have to eat or you own your own business and you have a lot more freedom and things like that. And you don't have a regular paycheck and you've got to make all your own structure and you've got to hustle out there and all that stuff that perhaps instead of asking, you know, it's asking both, like, what do I really want? What is my passion? What do I desire? And also like, which shit sandwich am I willing to eat? And every marriage, as you said, is going to have that stuff, the, the things we don't like, the things that annoy us, the things that didn't match our expectations and letting go of the idea that it was going to all be a certain way or marriage was supposed to look a certain way and recognizing that all relationships come with something we have to digest that may not have been our choice. <laughs> Right, right. And I think that happens with both partners. I think yeah. that that what you just said was great, the letting go. You know, you have to let go of what you thought and then deal with what is. And it's like getting taking off rose-colored glasses and looking at that person for who they truly are and also owning your own stuff and having yeah. two people, two people willing to get into the dirt and do the work that needs to be done. And, um, you know, I think as long as there's two people that are still willing, you know, there's a chance, but when one person is completely checked out and they're not willing to eat the shit sandwich or not, they're not willing to let go of some dream or idea they had of this person or of this life, that's where the problem comes in. You know, it takes two to tango. Right. And I want to talk a little bit more about that. And I think this is a good transition into like, and the first tool we had was kind of get straight on your financial and legal, and that's a good piece of education. And then the second tool is to really do some of that, you know, personal inquiry into is what, like, what am I truly unhappy about here? And is, am I unhappy with my idea of what I thought my marriage should be like? Um, what would a transitioned idea into something that is more of a reality tale look like? And would I be willing to let go of something I've been holding on to? And then this next piece that, you know, you kind of just led us into is how do we know the difference between a marriage that is beyond repair and a marriage that is in stress? And I think these were actually your words when we talked before, but like, I love it because it's like marriage is going to have stress points. 
for sure, just like kids have growing pains if we raise kids or jobs have ups and downs, like marriages are going to have stress points and sometimes pretty significant stress points. So like, how do we know if we're at a stress point or if we're like beyond repair? Yeah. I don't, expect, I don't expect you to have the definitive. We're going to have a conversation here, but so don't feel like. Right. No. no, no, absolutely. I mean, that's such a very painful place to be, you know, when your marriage is not in harmony and it's so uncomfortable and your instinct is, I want to run. I want to get out of this or this is awful. Maybe, maybe not, you know, to be able to have the wherewithal to really look at it and do the work. Um, I think the biggest piece is what I said before is do you have two people that are still willing to try or has one checked out versus you're just having a really bad rough spot and maybe the two of you are just not, you know, usually somebody can lift the other person up, but sometimes not. Sometimes it's a, like, you know, the sandwich, both of you have to eat it at the same time, but eventually, you know, somebody can shake it up or step out of the cycle or the dance to lift the other person up and just kind of get out of that place. There's always got to be somebody, right? Somebody that's going to change things, but the other person has to be willing to try. So for me, you know, when is it so far gone versus when it's just really bad is when somebody's not willing to try anymore and they're just like checked out. That's, that's a problem. Yeah. You know, for me, when I think about this, you know, beyond repair, I mean, I sometimes go to the extreme that there's like, that there's abuse that there just has not been stopping or there may be, you know, uh, an addiction that really the marriage is just not the context or doesn't have enough robustness to perhaps manage all the things that might be stemming from an addiction and things like that. So those may also be reasons that marriages might be beyond repair. Um, and then these stress points, you know, this, I've been thinking a lot, Amy, about this idea of, you know, one person sort of checked out and one person hasn't and it, or one person's willing to work, but it won't work with just one person. And, you know, it's been interesting. I've been thinking about this a lot and thinking about this idea of keep continuing to ask yourself, have I been truly honest? Like everything that I've said to a girlfriend or, or a guy friend or to a therapist or to somebody else, have I had the courage to really not in a fit of rage or whatever, but to honestly pursue that with my partner? Like, have I pursued and shown my, you know, being at the end of my rope, if I'm the one that's unhappy, really, really honestly, because this whole thing is somebody's not willing to work. Well, I've asked them to go to therapy, therapy 16 times and they've said no. can really look like somebody's not willing to do the work. Have I been really, really vulnerably honest about why that's so important to me? You know, I mean, so I, I think about these questions, like, have I been willing to be, have I been vulnerable enough to kind of say, you know, the honest truth? That's, that's really good. That's right. And interesting, in, in some of the education that I've been taking over the years, there was a chapter called Spotlighting. And it was, you know, you probably heard it before, that people only see what they want to see or buy into what they want to see. It's like a spotlight shines a light only on a certain area. 
when reality is you can really expand that spotlight to have more options, to have more choices, to be brave enough to go beyond the comfort zone that you know to see how things might be able to work in a different way. And, you know, people are creatures of habit and it feels safe. Even if it's really uncomfortable, Dina, people are just so sometimes unwilling to step out because they're kind of like, they, they know they're miserable, but they know their misery. So it's kind of safe because they know what it's all about versus trying something different that's, you know, kind of scary because it's unknown or trying a different way or more what you just said, the ability to be vulnerable, the ability to throw both feet and jump into the pool with somebody and maybe get hurt again if things are really bad, but maybe to have the the courage to be able to try again. Um, it's, It's very complicated. Yeah, I mean, it really, it really is complicated in that way. And, you know, I think what you and I are doing here is really trying to give people, you know, tools and questions and perspectives, you know, that may, that can open things up. And, you know, and then those times when, you know, I also am, whether it's because it was part of my personal journey, or I've seen it with other people's journeys, like sometimes, the relationship that we're in is just simply like we're not ready and the relationship isn't right to really ask to become that vulnerable, to become vulnerable and to do that kind of work. I haven't, you know, the individual may not have done enough of their own work and maybe this relationship has to end in order for those other things to happen. Like in order for me to go and delve into, you know, the, the innermost workings of myself and things like that. Maybe this relationship has to end in order to be, for me to find enough safety to discover it. Or maybe it needs to take a break through separation because I just simply don't even feel safe enough to go to the vulnerable places that might be needed, you know, in this space. So, you know, I think that those things can come up true too, that it's not that marriage has to last, you know, you know, at all costs. And sometimes, it has to end in order to create, you know, enough of a vacuum or a safe enough space or at least enough loneliness that then provokes the personal inquiry too. So, you know, it's any of those things could be true for people. Absolutely. And I think that I'm listening to you and it was very true for me, you know, the little girl in the fairy tale and there were other things in the marriage that caused it, but I don't think I could have done the work on myself if I stayed in the marriage to be a whole person because I was so kind of stuck in the dance. Um, And you're right. Sometimes it it does need to be over. But the other side of that, Adina, is that because we're talking about should I stay or should I go, is that as I've been doing the coaching for years, I am fascinated by how complex um, relationships and marriage are and how different and varied they are for people to stay in them. In other words, you know, unlike the nuclear family, the fairy tale family, you know, those shows from Mayberry back then. And the reality is that people have different agreements with each other in marriage to be able to stay together. And maybe it's like a separation for them to find themselves and they eventually wind up coming back. But there's, there, there are more options to look at than just either staying married in a traditional way and just flat out getting divorced. There's a lot of shades of gray that I'm finding that I find very interesting. I think that's absolutely true. And I think um, that people who really take an honest look at it do sometimes, you know, really discover not 
what's right in marriage, because we can get very black and white about it and very righteous, like, well, this is what married couples do, and this isn't what married couples do. Married couples all go to dinner and, you know, this way, or married couples, that if we dropped our sense of black and whiteness or right and wrongness about it and said, you know, what is the marriage that would be right for us? Or, you know, what do you, what are your needs and what are my needs? And what is a marriage, a marital arrangement that would meet our needs well and, and enable that to, you know, enable love to thrive in that place. But that's a much more expansive question to ask. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then again, you know, the flip side is sometimes the best option is divorce because you did touch on something quickly that, you know, I just wanted to let people out there know um, the work over the years, there it is complicated. If there is abuse, whether it's physical, neglect, um, people that are dealing with spouses that are bipolar or gamblers, it just the list goes on. There's a lot of mental illness, and sometimes you just can't save that other person, and you really have to save yourself and not feel guilty about it and to be able to move forward. So it's I think it's interesting on both sides, and... I think as long as you look at it and you are very, you spend the time to be honest, like you said, with yourself about your situation and realistic, you know, that's when you can make a better choice for yourself. Yeah. So I would love, based on the conversation we've had so far, to kind of offer as a tool two questions that I think come from our our conversation that I would love to offer to people and people can write them down or pull them off the recording afterwards. Um, one of the questions that we were just most recently talking about is, you know, if I stopped asking, um, should I stay or should I go? Is this the marriage for me or not the marriage for me? But I asked, you know, what do I really believe marriage is? And what kind of a marriage would I, would I most want? Um, that that might open some things up. So, you know, that would be one question. You know, what, what do I really believe about marriage? What, what is true for me about marriage? The second question, which I have asked many clients, and it's really been very um, powerful to break things open in a new way, and it goes back to something you were talking about earlier about really looking at yourself and your role in the marriage. And the question I ask is, if my unhappiness were not only about my marriage or my spouse, what else might it be about? If my unhappiness right now were not only about my marriage or my spouse, what else might it be about? Because we own our own unhappiness. It's ours. Somebody else doesn't make it for us. And so asking that question, I think it's really important. And I think another question would be, in your marriage, how would you, how do you see yourself in your marriage as your best self? Like, if you could say, you know, who do I want to be in this marriage? Who are you now? What does it look like to somebody else if somebody was, like, watching you in this marriage? How would they describe you? And then if you could just step out of that and then say, well, if I was going to be my best self, what does that look like for me and how would people be looking at me? And then kind of compare the two. I mean, that's more of the self-assessment piece, right? That's looking in the mirror. And, you know, you're, you're going back to that whole piece about it might not be the marriage, it might not be that person, but going back to you and being honest. And then, you know, how do you elevate yourself out of some of that stuff? 
Absolutely. So, Amy, part of your journey and process um, manifested into the two books that you wrote and into the musical that you co-wrote and co-produced. So, and you're actually going to give away copies of the books today, you know, one copy of each book. So I'd love if you tell us a little bit about the books, just a few minutes, you know, in terms of what role they played in your journey and, you know, as well as the musical. So how has this all transformed through your work? Well, this was all therapy for me to, to move on. I mean, my divorce took three years. It was very um, challenging, and it was really taking a toll on my health. So the first book happened because I was I went to my therapist, and she's like, you're killing me. You're, we need to do something else. Try journaling. Try writing all your drama, trauma down, and see how that works. And I did that. And after I wrote this stuff down, I would look at it two or three days later, and I would actually start laughing at some of the stuff. I found it funny. And I needed that backup piece. I needed to see that you can find the comedy and the laughter in the hard stuff, and that helps you heal. So I had an idea for a book, and it was I started to interview people. I know that you went through a divorce. What did you learn? How did you make it through? So it was very much like the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. And I just was very lucky to have a connection. And before I knew it, we had a book that was called Congratulations on Your Divorce, The Road to Finding Your Happily Ever After. And that book is really a girlfriend's guide to divorce. It takes you through the legal, financial, and the emotional pieces to be able to help you get through it, but also people share their stories of what they went through, why they stayed, why they left, what they learned. And I think that's why it's been that people really um, grabbed onto it. So that was the first book. Um, After all of that, I wanted to help people laugh. I really found my mother is a very hysterical, naughty person. And I kind of got some of that. And I started thinking about all the lessons I learned and the funny, uncomfortable things of life after divorce, dating, um, issues with kids. How can we completely spin some of that really hard stuff on its head and kind of find the humor in it? And that's where Divorce Party, the musical, was born. And um, we, we toured, we're, it's on hiatus, but we had two years with that, a lot of fun. And from that play, I wrote a book called Divorce Party and Moving On Handbook, because while there's this whole range of divorce parties and it's fun to drink and party with your friends, I truly realized that people really needed to find closure. In the very beginning of this hour, you talked about the death of the dream. And this is the death of the marriage, the dream. When, when somebody dies, you have a funeral. When there's a moving up piece for somebody who's turning of age, there's a communion or there's a bar mitzvah, there's something to celebrate the change in life and there's something to console the change in life. And there's nothing for divorce. That's why I think the divorce parties became so popular. But what was missing for me was there needs to be something in this divorce party besides just the drinking and the partying and hanging out with friends. Something, some kind of ritual to give real closure for that person so that they could truly move on and close that chapter and let go and let that fairy tale die and be able to put a kind of ribbon on it and kiss it, kiss it goodbye and then start again. So the book is filled with a lot of different types of rituals, depending on your personality, depending on your sign um, that you can really resonate with that would really be useful for you because so many people are still stuck after their legal divorce and now they need their spiritual and emotional divorce. And that's what this, the second book, Divorce Party and Moving On Handbook is all about. 
Right. And I just want to say that I imagine, too, that many of the things in the book and the ritual that I know which I have in the Divorce Companion Program, too, that if we wanted to apply it to the death of the dream or letting go of the dream that has to be transformed, that we could also apply ritual to that. Like, what if we had, like, what if we still don't know, but we know that one of the things we have to put to rest is this dream that's really keeping me, you know, I stuck, me stuck, us stuck, whatever it is. What if it's about a ritual to put the dream to rest so that we can allow something else to grow up in its place? That's and great. That, that could be a beautiful place to apply one of the rituals too. Absolutely. That's a very good moving on piece. Yeah. And then, you know, and then seeing what happens from there. So, I mean, I want to bring forth a couple of other things because Amy, as you know, and some of the listeners have been with us for a long time, been traveling. Some people are just on for this call. Some people have been on, you know, off and on over the two plus two and a half years that we've been running this call is that I, and I've been hosting it, that this is actually my final official call as the host of Preparing for the Divorce. Preparing for Divorce is not going away. I'm just uh, transitioning from it, and there will be new hosts, as some people experienced Pamela Elaine this year. So there are a few things that I just wanted to um, share for people who have been traveling with us and listening with us. And, you know, the first thing is, as we've been talking about this transition, should I stay and should I go, and making a wise and thoughtful decision is I do want to underscore having worked with Mainline Family Law Center as an affiliate partner for the five years that I have been doing this work is really has impressed upon me how what a gift it is when couples can find their way to mediation if divorce is the choice that they make. That it is a gift to themselves, it is a gift to their children you know, when that can work. And, you know, there's sometimes not enough knowledge about mediation, misconceptions about what it means. And if it's something that, you know, people are considering to know that the gift that you could give yourself to even consider that if divorce is the option that's ahead of you. And I want to express my deepest gratitude to Chris and Sharon and Sandy and Lenore and Jean and Dakota all over at Mainline Family Law Center who do such an amazing job in the work that they do and have been such amazing partners for me to work with. And so I wanted to mention that. I also wanted to mention for people who, you know, I both of the books, Amy, that you have mentioned are just an amazing support. You know, together here, we have also put together the Divorce Companion, which is a guide to navigating divorce in a healthy way. And it's one of those tools that, you know, if people, you know, not ready yet to go to a coach, although I encourage people to do that, or, you know, they need something that the kind of person has to pursue it on their own, that the Divorce Companion is a kind of education tool that you're talking about of, let me learn some more so I can start to ask some questions and take that first step. So, you know, people, if you're interested in that, it's a multimedia program. You can get privately in a virtual copy or a hard copy at divorcecompanion.com, and I wanted to put that out there. And I also just wanted to mention, finally, so... Where I'm moving on to for people who have sort of been traveling with me and my um, company that I have founded, Courage to be Curious, which really came out, Amy, and this is why I was so excited for this to be the last call from this very question, is that should I stay or should I go is so many of the people I talk to, as you mentioned earlier on the call, like haven't necessarily done the work that's inside of themselves that's making them so unhappy. And the more I looked at that, the more I said, this is really where I want to support whether it's because of divorce or loss of job or reaching midlife or transitioning for one reason or another, there's so many re- times in our life that can cause us to pause and say, why am I so 
so unhappy or why is my life not where I thought I wanted it to be and things like that. And that is the essence of this company, Courage to be Curious. And so people are interested in looking at that, couragetobecurious.com. And we have an amazing retreat coming up this summer, brillianceofbeing.com, which is really about how to be with wherever we are and listen to the voices inside. So just wanted to introduce people to that and also offer deep, deep, deep gratitude to Mainline Family Law Center. And Amy, um, really, really deep gratitude to you for sharing your wisdom and the, the honesty of your own experience in this um, to be able to help people who are navigating this question right now. I'm so grateful to you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. It was really nice to spend the time. hope you enjoyed this episode of the Healthy Divorce Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. You can find me, Sharon Pastore, or my partner, Chris Pastore, at MyHealthyDivorce.com. If you like this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember, you can have a healthy divorce. It's how you divorce that matters.